Hi, and welcome to the 375th episode of the MWA Podcast. I'm Kyle Barton. I'm here with my co-hosts, Sean Wisniewski and Mark Hicks. Today, David DeYard is sharing with us the five things he wants students to get out of his class. If you want to hear more about David, be sure to check out his interview episode on 374. What's up, David? Thanks. It's uh, always, always a pleasure to have a chat with you fellas. Always. But uh, before we get started with the, uh, I'm calling it the Five Things podcast with David. David's been uh, quite the sport since we've always done the five questions with David. I think uh, the last time you were on, we did the five favorite chairs. And now we're doing the five class takeaways, as I'm calling them. I like the but, five uh, things. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And uh, But before we get to those, uh, do we have a Patreon shout-out? We do. Uh, as always, we want to say a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. And today, we're specifically thanking Sean Nichols. So thank you, Sean, for your contribution. If you would like to support the MWA podcast, go to www.patreon.com slash MWA podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Sean. You exactly. the wrong way for good yeah. <laughs> no it's correct. It's correct. You know? oh, oh well. You that's know. his. That's his truth, Sean. Ah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so we'll turn things a little bit over to David. So, uh, David, what's the number one thing that students should get out of your class? Well, you know, the ultimate thing is that we all need to fall in love with chair making and become a chair nerd. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Right, jump down that jump down that rabbit hole and drop everything else you're doing. Yeah. No, all, yes. all all kidding aside, you know, and I when I look at it and and now I guess I've been teaching uh, for five years. I think it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really I think my number one thing that I see, you know, that we focus on is sharp tools. You know, and mm-hmm. understanding what a sharp tool is, and when students actually you know, get a sharp tool in their hand, their eyes light up, you know, yep. it, it makes all the difference in the world, you know, and, and there's very few tools that you buy today that actually have a, a, a woodworking edge to them, you mm-hmm. know, that you can really do. And, and so getting them, getting their tools honed up and um, we spend the first, first part of the first day talking about tools and getting them sharp, you know, draw knives, you know, draw knives and spoke shaves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially are the, you know, the two main, two main chair making tools that we have and getting those sharp and ready to use is a, is a big thing. So that's, that's number one. Do you yeah. deal with any specific jigs or, or anything, um, for sharpening? I, I do, you know, I, I trained, um, you know, ages ago under Ian Kirby and it was all Japanese water stones and you did everything by hand and muscle mm-hmm. memory, no jigs or anything. And then when I started teaching and I was working with Jeff Lefkowitz, I realized translating that to students is really hard. And, oh. and Jeff has a system of diamond plates and, uh, and lapping, lapping mm-hmm. stones. And so I changed over to that. And, um, you know, I, I now, you know, 90% of my sharpening is with, with a diamond plate and a lapping stone and diamond paste. And I do that for the students because it's quick, it's repeatable, um, and it gives a really good edge. So and you don't have time to teach muscle memory on a seven day class. No, right? you don't. You, you want them to build chairs, no, not learn how to sharpen the whole time. It, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's, I said, it's, uh, I was in a 
two to three year furniture making and design, you know, work with Ian. So it was, you know, talk sharpening every day and you had to sharpen all the time. So you built in that memory, but I, I was working full time in a shop and, you know, you know, it's just, it's just different. You don't have the time to teach that, but Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so important to be able to make your tools function, to have a sharp edge. Oh, for sure. You know, especially in chair making, you know, we deal with some really interesting blade geometries because, you know, you got the scorp, which has a curved blade, travishers, curved blades. It's not your standard, you know, flat, plain blade like, you know, you would have in a plane or a uh, chisel or something like that. Now, there are some tools like that, you know, draw nice, fairly flat. But, you know, then you have some other intricacies into, uh, you know, how you sharpen those tools. So, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see where um, that is definitely one of the things you want to get out of class is how to sharpen uh, not only tools to, you know, like you said, woodworker sharp, but also, you know, kind of some of the um, interesting geometries of chair making tools. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Go ahead. As I say, that the, a lot of the, like the scorp and the draw knife, those are those are open blades. There's no base. There's no reference. Mm-hmm. And you know, a dull tool like that is really hard to use. It bites mm-hmm. in and it digs. And yeah, a sharp tool just you know cuts mm-hmm. its way out of trouble. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah and that, so, go ahead. Yeah, you asked about jigs and things, and I use two. Right. So one is a Kell jig, K E L L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had it for a number that. of years, right? And, um, you can still buy them. They're made in the UK. Um, I have an older one that has the small wheels, not the big wheels, and it, you're able to get, um, it, it's able to handle short blades like, uh, spoke shave blades really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it'll handle all my chisels, you know, from, you know, from quarter inch on all the way up. Um, as well as, you know, my big, uh, you know, four and a half smoother and, um, you know, my number seven blade. So it handles everything with just the one jig, which is really nice. They don't sell the, sell them with the small wheels anymore, but you can order the small wheels as spare parts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you built so I found that because, it out. Yeah, yeah, because one of my uh, students this week uh, was looking for it, right? And they, they, a couple of them were looking all over the end, and finally they said they found it. And then they said, "Well, we can get the small wheels as a spare part." So they they ordered some, and they were, yeah, they were pretty intrigued because the shipping from the UK was only ten dollars. Wow! Mm. Right? I mean, it's, so, it's probably not fast. But no, it's probably not <laughs> it'll fast. Get there. But, you know, it'll get there. Yeah, um, yeah, shipping back and forth to the UK is not not too bad. But yeah, ten bucks—that's no. pretty darn good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's. It's not very big, so it's not coming in a big box, and it doesn't weigh much. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, mm. you know. And the uh, the other jig I use is really for uh, draw knives. I, I use uh, Pete Galbert's Draw Sharp. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about that. That's yeah. a wonderful yeah. tool. I've, it's a, I've wanted yeah. one for a while. I haven't quite yeah. it. Yeah, I've used it now for a number of years, and it's quick, and it's easy. It's repeat. You know, the, the thing is, it's got to be quick, easy, and repeatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and, and that's kind of my, if I can get greater efficiency and maintain things really quickly, that's the, that's the way to go. And, and that tool does it, you know, yeah. quite, quite well. Yeah, I use that as well, too. Yeah. And I, I think uh, a number of years ago, someone told me, yeah, the most dangerous part of a draw knife is sharpening it. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Well, my, my thing is, you know, I leave it on the, uh, I leave it on the shave horse and I reach for it without really looking. Yeah. You know, cause yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at trying to keep my eye on the part and I reach down and I just like smash my hand into the blade. And that's, <laughs> that's usually how I get hurt in the shop. <laughs> yeah. But, but pizza, pizza jig takes all of that, uh, anxiety about, you know, rubbing a stone over the blade and all that stuff. It really takes all of that away. And it's like you said, it's quick, easy and repeatable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you still have to you still have to flatten the back and make sure that that's sharp. You know, mm-hmm. you still have to you know do a hollow grind on the front if there's not one. But if you're buying any of these new ones, you know, uh, I mean, Eli Nielsen doesn't make them anymore, but their their draw knives are really nice if you can find them on a used market. And, oh, and they're if, not making their draw knives anymore. I, not they're not until the, tariffs go down. Oh, that really? was that was the reason was before the, the tariffs. Yeah, yeah that yeah. tariffs drove the steel price. That they the particular steel that they used for the draw knives was really expensive. So, yep. Uh, mm. But uh, that may have changed. I don't know. Uh, now it's probably just hard to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in a I container ship. Yeah, when I started the uh, when I started teaching here in the shop, I bought two of them. So I guess I'm feeling pretty lucky <laughs> because they're really nice and they sharpen yeah. really easy and they hold an edge for forever and. Um, yeah, they're really, they're really quite nice. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have one as well, and it's probably the, yeah, it's one of my second most used draw knife. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I hope they are still making them, so uh, or at least will continue. So anyway. I'm working on that right now. <laughs> exactly. <you> yeah, <laughs> that so, could be breaking news. <laughs> exactly. So what's the uh, out of the five things? What's number two? So my, my number get two out of your is. Class? is uh, learn how to use the tool and let the tool do the work. All right. Right? So I so I think it, a lot of it ties into number one because mm-hmm. if you don't have a sharp blade, you know, you tend to force tools, right? And then yeah. you're getting tear out yeah. and you get frustrated and you're trying to do this and trying to do that. Where if you have a sharp tool and you let the tool do the work, you know, it's more comfortable. You can use it all day, um, you know, and, and taking that time to learn the tool. Is, um, is that we always, you know, in, in the school, we always, you know, test and, and, uh, try out all the new techniques and tools on, on, uh, sample pieces before we ever get to a real chair so that you're not having to, you know, do, do your initial practice on, on a, on a finished piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think letting the tool do the work, get rid of the white knuckles that you're hanging on and let the tool do the work. And, and, uh, I think the results, the results come in, you know, so really coming out of, Coming out of it, you know, hey, learn some techniques on, on using these tools because they are different from a hand plane or they're not different from any other hand tool that you're going to use in a cabinet shop or doing, or doing case goods. Um, you know, learn to use it and uh, let the tool do the work. Yeah. What's the, what's the one thing you see people doing wrong in the chair making class as, as far as, you know, using the tool in a way that they could do it smarter? It's really, it's really white knuckling it. So just you know, over. Yeah, so, you know, you look at the spokeshaves and they have two handles, you know, and, and, uh, they, you know, got both fists on way out on the handles and they're trying to control the tool and you can't, you know, you've got to have it. It's really controlled with your index finger and your thumb. Mm-hmm. That's where all your control in that tool comes in. It's not in, not in the handles. It's not, not, you know, white knuckling it. And it's, um, it's a delicate tool and you can take really big cuts and really, very, very fine cuts without ever having to over muscle it or, or, or work that, you know, and, um, you know, I also, I also tell them, you know, think that you're slicing a tomato, 
right? You wouldn't take a knife and just push down on, on a tomato and expect to get a nice thin, a nice thin piece out of it, right? You're actually slicing with your knife. Unless yeah, it was nice. wicked sharp, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so, you know, things like skewing blades and, uh, coming yeah. in as, uh, as, you know, taking slicing cuts with all these tools, you get super crisp, you know, finishes, you know, things that you can just finish right off, uh, right off these tools. Oh, that's um, such a good feeling, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, I just had a discussion recently with a coworker. I don't know how the hell we got on the subject of Western versus Eastern saws and pulling and pushing. And he goes, yeah, you know, I always wished, you know, we had more pull, you know, pull type saws because, you know, when you, when you use a saw and it bends, I said, well, okay, first of all, you're probably holding it too hard. <laughs> like, you're <yeah>. doing it wrong. <laughs> it said, that should be able to, a Western saw should be able to push with that crook between your thumb and your forefinger. Like, you don't need to do anything more to yeah. get it to go forward if it's sharpened properly, all these other things. Like, there's yeah. a lot to it, but, like, it shouldn't be the task that you're troubled with. Like, you're bending it. If you're bending it, you're definitely probably holding it yeah. too wrong or it's terribly dull. You know, like you're just trying to cut too hard, too much at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not a chainsaw. It, it lets the tool do its work. That yeah. is such an important, important, uh, you know, lesson. Yeah. It's, how do you? Uh, yeah, it's a light. It's a light touch with all those with all those tools. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's just a. It's just a light touch. Yeah. Every time I pick up a draw knife, I hear Pete Galbert in the back of my mind going, skew and slice. Skew and slice. Skew and slice. Skew and slice. Yep, that's the that's the key, you know, and you see people chopping with them. You know, they're almost yeah. like an axe, and it's like, oh, you know, here, do this. You know, and they, and then once they get it, it's like the light goes on, and their eyes light up, and, and, uh, and life gets much, much easier. But um, being able to use those and, you know, and control them so that you feel like you're in control and the, the tool's not controlling you. Exactly. Well, so let's move on to number three. What are folks going to get out of one of your classes? I think spending time on the layout and don't be too anxious to start cutting. Mm. Well said. You know, you know it's, it's um, so in chair making, mm. you know, I don't think it's more difficult than case goods. The difference is, is that all your references are completely different. So as long as you learn that you have different references, right, everything's not, that, there's almost nothing to 90 degrees in a chair. There's a few things, but not much. Yeah. Right? But if, as long as you can realize that and learn the layout and keep your reference lines and not move past them until you're ready to go to the next step, um, you know, it, life is much easier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Oh, for sure. Is it, is it bad? Sorry. Is it bad that I, um, I, in going into that, I've never made a chair in my life. I would probably over obsess about all that new stuff and be afraid to make that first cut just in case like, Oh, you know, what if it's, what if I didn't lay that out right? What if I didn't, you know? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you get that all the time. It's that trepidation. Oh, for sure. Of the, of the, of the first cut, you know, and, um, and doing it, you know, and it's gaining confidence in that you're laying things out right. So we spend right. time, you know, we spend time, you know, how do we lay it out? You know, because, you know, in the ladder back classes, we're starting with square stock. Well, in Windsor chairs, you're starting with square stock. You're splitting it out. It's not really square, but then you make it square. And then you got to turn <laughs> yeah. it into an octagon. And then you got to turn it in, right? And it's, yeah. it's understanding those layout lines, you know, that gives you the confidence to be able to make the cuts. And, you know, 
that along with being able to use your tools in the sharp. So under, you know, spend, spending the time understanding your layout lines and your references, um, you know, before you start cutting is, um, you know, cause everybody's really anxious to like, well, I'm going from square to round like immediately. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no you you'll can't. never, you'll never make rounds. <laughs> you know, mm. step A to point B to point B, but you know, that layout's, that layout's important and to take the time to do that and uh, your outcome will be really good. Awesome. Well, great. Well, so let's move on to number four, which I think is one of the most important ones. Tell us about the wood selection. Yeah, I well, I, I have it written down as wood selection matters and design starts with wood selection. Exactly. You know, and, um, you know, if you don't have the right wood, you know, or you're trying to combine woods or you're, um, you know, in chair making, you know, you're looking for straight grain. You know, the fancy, the fancy woods don't really cut it because it's, a lot of them just don't have the strength. You get too much, too much uh, run out, grain run out, and then you get weaknesses and that's where they break. So selecting your wood from the beginning and, and, um, how do I get all the parts out of a board? You know, whether it's a kiln dried board or a slab or a log, um, how do I get it? And each part of that is going to give you something a little bit different. And we mm-hmm. go through quite a bit about grain direction, joint construction, um, moisture content, um, you know, how does, you know, how does a, a, a rung, you know, or a stretcher in a chair go into the leg of a chair, you know, and, and if you, you know, select your wood right and select your grain right, you know, it, it not only does it make for a stronger chair, but it also unifies the design. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're, we're doing the, you know, and it, it's really exemplified in, in the Brian Boggs ladder backs. You know, they're, um, you know, and, and Brian was kind of a master at this, uh, you know, design input, you know, it's like, I specifically choose straight grain, um, you know, that's, um, um, you know, that's rising, you know, so I have, oh, my mind's going blank. It's late or it's beer. Um, <laughs> you know, um, mm. you know, so I'm not dealing with, with quarter sawn or flat sawn. I, I want a nice, you know, 45 degree coming in. And if I do that and I cut it right, my grain all points in towards the center of the chair. Oh, okay. Right. Mm. And it, and it adds a really nice design element to it, but that starts in the very, First thing you do in selecting your wood and where, where am I going to get this part from? You know, and the same thing with the arms, you know, it's, uh, well, I want a plain saw and piece here, but I want the grain to be moving in this direction for the left and this, the opposite direction for the right. And when that does and you cut it and you cut into it, all of a sudden the grain pops. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, the lines lead your eyes to certain places on the chair. And, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, uh, so grain, you know, grain and wood selection is, uh, is incredible, is incredibly important to, uh, to the overall design and, and, uh, and the chair. We spend a bunch of time on it. Uh, in fact, we talk about it pretty much every day. <laughs> so I, think, I think, I think it's that important, you know. Every time you start a new part, I mean, you yeah, you know, and, and how does it fit into the, how does it fit into the overall piece? You know, so this piece has got to join to this piece, which has to join to that piece, and they all have to work together. And we go over what I call the five pillars of uh, joint construction, you know, straight grain, moisture content, grain direction, um, a tight joint, and continuous glue bond. You know, we talk about that all the time. But the first three, 
are all dealing with wood selection. Mm-hmm. Right? The rest of it is construction techniques. Uh, yeah. so. Well, now we know what the uh, next five things is going to be. But anyway. As David closes in on that gold lame jacket. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hunting for it. <laughs> so uh, moving on to number five. Don't yeah. get jazz. So Don't tell us about yeah, this. Yeah, this is the one that I'm most curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, well, well, you come into a class, you know, and you're nervous. You know, and I've taken classes and you're mm-hmm. going in both as a beginner and later as a, you know, as a more knowledgeable woodworker, yeah. hopefully. You know, you're still nervous going into class, you know, and you're afraid of making mistakes and you're afraid of things happening and, and, uh, you know, what are people going to think and, you know, um and things and it's like nothing's gonna nothing bad is gonna happen you know the worst thing can happen is you make another part you know it's not a big deal (laughs) (laughs) you know relax take your time it's not a race it's not a um i've never had anybody not leave a class without a finished chair Mm -hmm. you know so it's uh just not weird but when i was young i uh i worked for the appalachian mountain club in their backcountry huts you know, so, so we're like, and the, these huts are way in the back country. You got to carry in food and, and, uh, you're running it and you're caught, co- you're college age, right? So we're 19, 20, 21 kids running these facilities where hikers are coming in and getting meals and they're, uh, and you have to prepare the meal and take care of the place and do search and rescue and handle everything that you would find in the back country. And, um, so all of a sudden you're like 19, 20 years old and you're cooking for, you know, 90 people and you've never cooked before. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So what do you, what, you know, the thing is, you know, hey, it's a, a little bit of stress, but the number one rule there was don't get jazzed. It'll all work out. Don't worry about it. You know, it'll, yeah. you know, and uh, I kind of treat the classes the same way is that, you know, it's it's um, we'll we'll get through it no matter what. And, um, you know, you don't have to get worked up about it. We'll do it. You know, the, the chair is going to go together and, you know, it may not look like you've you've made 500 chairs before, but. You know, it'll still be a it'll still be a very nice looking functional chair and that you you could be proud of. So that's awesome. A, a good. Like, that's my that's my philosophy on that. Yeah. 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 I've been to a number of chair classes and yeah, that is one of the things that you know my first chair class to the last one I took. You know, is you know I actually went into class going, you know what, I'm just going to take my time and uh, I'm not going to. You know, because I think that's one of the things that you will get into a class is you always have somebody that's wicked experienced and will, you know, just like leapfrog above the rest of the class. And he'll be, you know, he'll be done at 1 p.m. and the rest of the people are struggling to get their stuff done by 6, you know, <laughs> and and people start getting competitive about how quick they can do things. But that's not why you're there. You're there to yep. learn. Yep. And you're there to uh, learn, there to have fun better. and, yep. and uh, get get better. And, you know, a lot of the classes are yep. things like that. I get, you know, professionals coming in with, you know, people that are really just starting out, you know, never yep. used a hand tool before. And, and uh, you, you do get that mix. But I also find that there's um, a huge camaraderie. Oh between, yeah, they're always between is, students. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. uh, I I never I never realized how important that interaction between students mm-hmm. was 
you know, and um, um, I've had several tell people tell me that they, they learn as much from the other students asking questions as they, they learn from the rest of the class. Oh, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. But, yeah, I like that. Don't get jazz. That is <laughs> fantastic advice. Yeah. So if uh, someone wants to attend one of your classes and uh, at least get, you know, these five takeaways, but probably another 10 or 15, uh, where Rob. should they go to find you and sign up for class? Yeah, the uh, the best way is uh, my website, davidduyardchairmaker.com. And so it's David, D-O-U-Y-A-R-D, chairmaker.com. Um, or they can always find me on Instagram at dduyardchairmaker. Fantastic. And Mark, uh, where can folks find you? Well, uh, for information on workbenches or shave horses, you can find me at plate11.com for all things woodworking, you can find me at Mark Builds It on Instagram. My YouTube channel is Plate 11 Woodworking. And if you want to learn about using hand tools and setting up hand tools, come and find me over at jointeffort.net. How about you, Kyle? Uh, you can always find me at bart.kyle on Instagram or Kyle Barton on YouTube. Sean, what about yourself? As usual, I'm Sean W78 on most every social media. Find me there. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.